Good morning, or good evening, good afternoon, whatever it might be, whether you're uh, driving to work or uh, walking the dog or whatever it might be. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in this week and uh, checking out the episode. Uh, this week is really cool, actually. Uh, finally got another guest on. Been tra- tracking this guy down for a while. Uh, I've really wanted to get him on because he's a, a true example of kind of taking your hobby and what you really enjoy doing and making a business out of it. Um, so this week I've got Eric Royer from uh, Stepcraft CNC um, on the show and just had a really good conversation with him and just basically wanted to pick his brain about you know how he kind of got started with this whole um, desktop CNC machine uh, business that he's got going on here. And to me, one of the most interesting parts about it was the fact that he started this entire project basically with Kickstarter. And uh, his project was successfully funded, and it really just shot him on an excellent trajectory. So uh, definitely check out this part. So if you're an engineer or a tinkerer or whatever it might be, um, I I think that his products and these types of products are really perfect. So maybe if you have a 3D printer or if you know how to draw some parts and maybe SketchUp or some sort of CAD software, then I, I think what he's doing is really cool. It's allowing you to be able to make products in your house, in your basement, whatever it might be and who knows what it could start Uh, he mentioned a lot of his clients are um, really doing well on Etsy and um, other places so I I think that if you're kind of looking for a little bit of a side hustle and you've got that kind of in your blood where you like to uh, design and make things then hopefully you can find some value in this podcast here so without any further ado this is Eric Royer from Stepcraft CNC this is High Voltage with Bobby Watts Good morning, Eric. How you doing? Hi, good, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing great. So uh, today I have the pleasure of uh, having a nice discussion with Eric Royer from Stepcraft. How you doing, Eric? Uh, very good. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to uh, be here on your podcast. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like we've been trying to make this happen for, for weeks, <laughs> months, almost. Yeah, it, it's it's been months. It's been months. So it seems like you guys are quite busy over there at Stepcraft. So why don't you just tell me a little bit about uh, Stepcraft and and your involvement with them? Sure. So uh, Stepcraft is a CNC manufacturer. Uh, we're headquartered in Menden, Germany, and uh, I have two partners. Uh, Marcus Weedle and Peter Urban, who run the factory over there, and I am the director for uh, Stepcraft in North America. So um, we have two primary product lines. We have a what's called our D series, which is uh, more for a hobbyist uh, uh, desktop type CNC. We have several models of that, varying sizes, and uh, we just last year released a new series called our Q series, which is our professional grade. Uh, which is uh, two by four foot all the way up to a four by eight foot machine. And those machines actually get manufactured in Germany and here in uh, Torrington, Connecticut, because they're so large, we, we, we have to make them here as well. So that's, uh, that's primarily yeah, that's what awesome. we've been doing. Yeah. That's awesome. And so are you, 
so it seems like your machine started uh, kind of from a hobby side, like, uh, you know, like a desktop kind of size, 3D printer sort of size, but that, that could also do CNC. Is that right? Yeah. So when they started the company, yeah, the, de- the, the hobbyist market, the modelers, uh, that was, that's a very big market in Europe. Uh, and, yeah. and, and custom modeling is, is huge in Europe, even more so than it is here in the States. And oh, wow. so when they, when they started, um, to design the machine and started to sell it over there, that was the main target market. So they, the machine line, uh, varied from an eight by eight inch CNC all the way up to a roughly uh, one and a half by two and a half foot machine. Um, and they, the biggest thing with Stepcraft that, that, uh, that's our kind of claim to fame is, is we're, we're the world's only multifunction CNC. Now there's a lot of CNC machines that have a couple of attachments, but I mean, we have mm-hmm. probably 12, 13 different attachments that you can add anywhere from a 3d printer to a laser, uh, cutter engraver, uh, you know, and milling. So you could buy one platform and put different attachments on to do, you know, countless number of projects. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I was I was looking at your site and and uh, I don't I remember seeing it a few years ago once when you guys kind of unveiled your uh, original machine here in the US and I just remember thinking, you know, I remember wondering to myself if and, and this is kind of how I think about a lot of tools if you will. Like I was wondering myself, you know, are more people going to go with a machine like this that's super flexible or would people rather have like just a 3D printer? Or just like a, a you know a router of, of some sort. So your hunch and you know the bet you guys made is the fact that people want you know the Swiss Army knife of of kind of CNC three D printer laser, right? Yeah. So that, I mean that that is a, a big part of it. Uh, you know you've heard the term jack of all trades, master of none, and and uh, <laughs> and so. You know what's cool about our product line is we are we that term doesn't apply to us. So we okay. because a lot of people will say, well, you know, I'm going to buy your CNC, but I'm sure if I buy your drag knife, it's not going to cut vinyl graphics as good as a vinyl cutter, or your laser's not going to engrave as good as a dedicated laser. And uh, the the truth be told, uh, it's just not true. All all of the attachments on our machines run on the base machine, and the base machine is a screw driven. Uh, uh, stepper motor uh, mm-hmm. driven CNC that that has an accuracy uh, of up to a thousandth of an inch. So any attachment oh, that, wow. you, that you put on it is going to have that same accuracy, that same level of accuracy. So when you put a laser on there, uh, laser engraver, you're going to get uh, the accurate laser engraving that you would with a dedicated machine. Uh, the the only downside, I guess, was was some attachments um, because it's a screw driven machine where a laser is is more direct stepper belt driven it's going to be a little slower but the mm-hmm. a- the accuracy will be there so rather than having to go invest thousands of dollars in a laser and thousands of dollars in a cnc you can have the cnc and then add the you know several hundred dollar attachment instead and and have that so i'm pretty proud of the fact that all of the attachments that we have uh for our machines i will put hand in hand uh with the quality you'll get out of a dedicated uh system like i said speed might be an issue on sure. some, but it, it's uh, but the quality, even with the 3D printer, uh, there are cases in where 
you know, I'll have a customer that'll say, well, they want to do 3D printing. And I'll, I'll tell them to just go buy a dedicated 3D printer due to the application they want to do. But okay. if, if you want to do a lot of CNC work, like like you, you do drones, right? And mm-hmm. so if you want to cut carbon fiber, then yep. you're going to use the CNC machine. Now, if you want to make a go to Thingiverse and download a 3D printed uh, model of a camera mount or something, then mm-hmm. then you can do that. So if if you're only doing it occasionally, then that's where it makes a lot of sense, you know. Yeah, yeah, it it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. And 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 I guess kind of what's your what's your target market for this? So is it maybe just you know and 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 what are people mostly making? I guess that would be my question. So <laughs> what are they what are they cutting? What are people mostly making? And is it is it kind of hobbyists or is it prosumers or professionals or a little bit of a little bit of all yeah it, it, it in this market here especially in north america it is a little bit of all and uh i i when i started i mean you we know each other because of my and your background in the hobby industry so mm-hmm. um that's where i lived my entire adult life between rc universe and then working for the magazines at maplegate it was uh you know that that's so that was my what I knew. And so when I started Stepcraft here in the States, that's, that's what I went after. I went after that hobby market, but I'm also, my background is marketing sales and business development. So, Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big believer in the side hustle, like, you know, for anybody to be able to buy something and, and make, make parts and try to sell on Etsy or Amazon or whatever. Uh, so when we launched the, product line here in the states we did it through kickstarter uh yeah i saw that i saw your your youtube video now has like eighty two thousand views that's for the original one four years ago that's awesome yeah it was it was a good uh it was it was a really good campaign it was a good way to reach a lot of people that platform is excellent and it was uh, a new product line Mm -hmm. to the state so it made sense um, and it got it got funded. Yeah, oh yeah, it got funded. We wanted fifty thousand was what we were hoping for, and I did a little over five hundred thousand in thirty days. So yeah, it was wow, very successful. Yeah, I was happy and, with that. Okay, sorry, I want to go on a tangent for a little bit sure. for Kickstarter, if, if you don't mind. No, no, because um, you you guys are one of the few kind of success stories with. I, I mean, there's many success stories, but you know, I guess for every one that makes it, there's what ten or twenty that just fail. Yeah. So so you use Kickstarter to launch your business, and so. What do you think? What do you think it was that you guys did right that made it s- such a successful campaign? Well, when it comes to technology products, I, Kickstarter is a very big, uh, big platform where people go to to see kind of the latest and greatest of of what's out there, you know. And uh, the CNC market itself is always looking for the newest kind of technology, and I think that when um, when we were on there, there wasn't a lot of other competitive CNC machines at the same time. And the fact that we were offering a multifunction solution and it's a German design and engineered machine as opposed to like a Chinese machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that was kind of like the perfect storm. And okay. I did a lot of marketing. Um, you know, I get, this is my, actually my third successful Kickstarter campaign. And oh, wow. uh, this was the biggest one uh, by far. But, um, you know, when you, I tell people when you get involved in Kickstarter, it's a 30 day uh, commitment. Usually you can go to 60, but 30 is 30 is good. And what that means is for the next 30 days of your life, Kickstarter is everything. <laughs> That's all you're doing. Right. Yeah. Because as soon as somebody sends you a message 
and mm-hmm. they have a question, you want their money, you want their backing, so you have to reply right away. And it's it's a very huge it's a huge commitment. Sure. And I remember when we were doing the campaign, um, you know, I, I said, well, I'm going to set it because if you don't, if you set a goal and you don't hit that goal, you don't get anything. So yes. we said all or nothing deal, all yeah, or nothing. Yeah. And when I, when I started um, running Stepcraft here in the States, I was doing it out of my basement to, to start. And so I said, well, man, if I can do $50,000 in sales in 30 days, that would be a great little way to start the business and kind of oh, get absolutely. things going. Yeah. So I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and we were already over 60. So I oh, was wow. like, oh my God. So, so 10 grand overnight, 10 grand while you slept in sales. 60 grand overnight. Oh, no, no, but a, t- a, 10, a 10 grand difference or, yeah. or you made an additional 60 overnight. Yeah, no, no. We were fully funded by the time I woke up in the morning. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So- Man. It was, um, you know, then it kind of went, you know, it was, it was every day we were getting another backer, another backer, another backer. And it's one of those things like, um, I I don't know, it's maybe it's an American thing. Like when you you hit like a hundred thousand, then you start saying, well, man, then I I should be able to do 150. Right. (laughs) Right. You hit 150 and it's like, well, wait a minute, I could do 250 now. Holy cow. So the last, um, four days of Kickstarter, I, I swear I, I didn't sleep at all. I, I literally, if I napped at my desk with my head down because we were about 250,000 or so at, with four days left. And it was Jeez. like, oh, I'm like, okay, if I can do 250, I can do three. And then we hit three and I'm like, well, I can do four. And then of course, if you have four, you got to do five. Right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, the, the, the day um, that it funded, like the minute that it funded, I think I was up for almost 42 hours straight um, <laughs> just cow. answering everything. And yeah, it was, it was pretty sure. cool. Yeah. And, and, and I think that where most people struggle with Kickstarter is, is not getting funded, but it's the actual fulfilling the order process after a successful campaign. Because I mean, you're going to be going from making, I mean, zero machines to now making, uh, how many machines was it that you ended up selling in that uh, initial campaign? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it was about 125 or 150. Um, yeah. So, so how do you how do you fulfill all that in a reasonable time with with a good quality? That that's what would scare me the most. I think. Sure. So a lot of people that do Kickstarter are using it to help fund the development or or fund the manufacturing of a, right. of a particular product. So essentially, right. when when you back it, you're backing the idea or the dream. Uh, and and there isn't a lot of times there's not even a fully working prototype they'll they'll have maybe something <laughs> yeah. you know cop together to make it appear that way for the video sure um in our case because the stepcraft 2 series had already launched in germany just prior to the campaign um i was only using kickstarter as a means of marketing and launching the business and brand here in the uh... north america so we already had production underway so it was nice for us because our customers um, let's see, we ended it end of March and we started delivering in June. So we, they only had to wait a couple of months. Um, oh, that's really good. That's awesome. And I'm mean, sure the customers felt good about that. The fact that you were already in production and, and, and making it happen already. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some, uh, there's a, a very well-known 3d printer company that launched a couple of years ago and it took them over two years because of setbacks to start to deliver. And it was becoming 
a real problem. And, you know, honestly, wow. that's the pro that's the one downside from the consumer point of view with Kickstarter is that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're putting a lot of trust out there. Once, once the campaign is funded, uh, if the company can't make it or, or they go under you're, you're, there's no real recourse. You're kind of, you know, you, you, you would have lost your money. Um, sure. and, and fortunately, uh, the stories of companies that, you know, where that's the case are very, very, very few and far between. But, um, you know, that's why you do your research. And that's why when you go to a Kickstarter campaign page, the video and the content and the engagement is the biggest thing. So, you know, you're, you're constantly on the page and you're answering questions that, sure. that helps people build that security that, hey, this isn't just a guy that's going to take off with my money and, and never see a product. <laughs> Exactly. No, that that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, congrats. Well, for anyone uh, who's considering doing a Kickstarter, definitely go check out their your campaign. I just pulled it up here. Just type in Stepcraft 2 on Kickstarter. You can see it here. I mean, it looks like, I mean, you guys did it right. I think it's a great way to launch a product. It really is. Yeah, it um, is. It really is. I enjoyed if, it. If you have, I, I think you nailed it though. You got to have your product ready and you got to be ready to you know, you just need the funds basically as a marketing tool or basically to just pay for the production. Like it's ready, right. but it just needs to pay. Yeah. So, okay, cool. So, okay. So you, you got Kickstarter, you, you did your you know, half million dollars uh, worth of sales there. So how do you then take, how do you then go from that and fulfill those orders and get those out into the next step? So where do you go at this point? Are you, are you hiring people? Do you have employees at this point? Kind of <laughs> where do you go from there? So when, uh, when I started, like I said, I was working out of my home and that lasted about a month. And mm-hmm. my, my son who at the time was only 13, um, was my, my help me pack and ship boxes. And, you know, we would do all this stuff in the garage. And as soon as Kickstarter was funded, I immediately, um, had to go find a, a, you know, a real location. I had to hire somebody because the, the support alone, and, and that was part of the, this business that was very, very important to me that I know, I know the product is good. I know the product is solid and I don't ever lose sleep about that, but I want to be able to provide a level of support that I would want when I buy something. And, you know, it, it, my, my expectations of what I wanted to provide for support were almost unrealistic in that, uh, you know, it's just, there's only so many hours in the day, but I, I was able to bring on, um, uh, a guy uh, early on and we found a, a, a really nice office. And I remember, mm-hmm. wa- I remember walking in the office and I'm like, wow, I said, what are we going to do with all this space? Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. How, how big was it? How big? It, it was about 1500 square feet. And, okay. uh, you know, it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too yeah. bad. And, and That's I'm like, we're going to be here forever, you know? And, <laughs> and, and then um, nine months later, um, you couldn't even walk in the place and we were actually having to like pack and ship stuff outside on the sidewalk. It was crazy. So Man. we had to find another location. And, uh, this time, uh, the town we're in has a lot of old factory buildings and mm-hmm. we found a space that was, uh, about four times the size. And I, you know, so we, we signed the lease and, and again, I walked in and I'm like, what are we going to do with all this space? <laughs> And uh, nine months later, um, no way yeah, again. We we had to double our space in here, and and that we decided when we decided to start manufacturing the Q series machines here, I mm-hmm. needed I needed space to do the manufacturing. So we, um, yeah. So as we sit today, I I've got uh, twelve employees here in the states, and wow, about we're almost ten thousand square feet 
in in our facility and and looking at the possibility always of expanding you know again and man that's incredible good for you guys so so when you were i i guess just trying to to get into the point where where you were transitioning so once you got your building and and you got all set up and you decided you needed an, an employee how did you go about finding that first guy? Because I feel like that first guy is so crucial. It's make or break time, basically. And and what kind of skills does he have versus like your skill set? So he or she? I had a um, I there was a guy that was working for me when I was at the magazine that I wanted to bring on board because he and I work so well together, and he was um, he was really technical and a great mm-hmm. guy on the phone and everything. And and so I approached him about coming to work and he was still at the magazine even though I had left and I guess he was just nervous that you know this was a startup here and and uh, you know he had kind of a secure thing so he he politely declined but he introduced me to um, a a guy who was an employee of his mom's business who was looking for uh, something and 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 so when I brought him in and we started talking um, Dan Mm -hmm. Dan at the time was he was very 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 technical Mm -hmm. Um, he's uh, very um, detail oriented. So it was a good mix. Not not that I'm not technical or detail oriented, but I'm more of the visionary. And he was, uh, you know, he was more of like, okay, this is what needs to be done in this order. So it was a great compliment. And uh, yeah, and Dan was with me. um, Yeah, for almost probably three years. And then uh, he decided that, uh, you know, he was going to move on. But by that time, I, we were in our new facility here, and I'd already had a I had a support team built and everything. So it, it's, Man. it's, it wasn't, I hated losing him um, because he had actually become a very good friend and still is to this day. So, I mean, we, you know, so it's, it's no issues there, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's yeah a little scary yeah. whenever you got to bring out employees, you never know, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think I, I always hear in, in terms of like what makes a great partner or an employee, I mean, they're basically just filling in for your weak points. So, you know, like you said, you're the, the grand vision thinker, you'd think ahead. So I, I guess it was an excellent choice that you made to, to pick somebody who was so focused on the details. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it worked out really well. I mean, we grew very quickly over those few years that he was here and, and I attribute a lot of that to uh, his efforts and everything he put in. So, yeah, that is, that's incredible. So, all right. So let's just say if I'm, if I'm, um, I don't know, Joe Smith at home and I'm kind of a tinkerer and I'm into whatever it might be, uh, RC or maybe even some 3d printing now or something like that. If I were to look at your machine, um, you know, maybe not a, a sales pitch per se, but kind of what makes your machine stand out in terms of like the workflow. So if I get your, if I go with like a Stepcraft machine, am I using your, do you have design software or do you have cam software? And then when it comes time to making it, is it all kind of integrated? Yeah, see, so it's cool that you mentioned cam software. That, that, that's a dead giveaway that you know the, the <laughs> workflow of CNC. But for people who don't know, um, yeah, they, the way I like to sell machines here is we sell them in packages. So we don't write the software. Um, the machine control software uh, that we use is a, is a very uh, well industry-known software that we've just modified to, to work uh, and have a better flow for our machines. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Uh, then there's the design, and then as you said, cam. So, so the 
the workflow for a CNC is, um, you know, come up with an idea, have a mm -hmm. program that you can draw, and it has to be drawn in vector format because CNC machines work on vectors. So you can't use Photoshop. You'd have to right. use like Illustrator. Or paint. Or you can't use paint. Correct. Exactly. Um, so you once you have your, your vectors designed or whatnot, then you have to take that design and you go into CAM, which is where you basically tell the software what size tool you're using and how you want to cut uh, all of the different vectors, whether you want to pocket or drill holes or cut a profile. Mm -hmm. And we, we use software from a company called Vetric. Um, they they okay. have uh, VCarve and uh, Cut2D and Aspire. The, these programs are amazing because my commitment has always been to customers that if you give me an hour, I will show you how to use the software and successfully cut your first project. It, awesome. Even if you don't know how to turn on a computer, I, and I've never <laughs> let anybody down. Um, but then it's it's like anything the the software has uh, really no limit. So you know you can design your first uh, you know coffee coaster or something really quickly. Mm -hmm. But then you can really do a lot of complicated stuff as as you get more familiar with it. So that that's how we do it. I bundle it together with the software and everything that we support and and that I know and we do a ton of videos too, uh, tutorial videos and things like that. Um, we'll also. Uh, if you know if it, what I do for a lot of customers is if you have a project, so you know in your case maybe you want to make a racing drone frame, right? And so you mm -hmm. have a sketch, and you say, okay, here on a piece of paper, this is what I want to do. What I'll usually do for customers um, on their first project is if you send me that sketch, I will go ahead and turn that <clears throat> into a CAD CAM file for you, so that you uh, can run it on your machine. But what getting I getting them into it, yeah, exactly. But what I do is, as once I I do that, I I basically record my screen and I talk the person through everything that I'm doing. So that becomes, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah that's it's, great. It's your own personal tutorial, you know. For Man, that that's awesome. That's that's. I mean, that's going over and you know, that's going the extra mile for the customer right there. Yeah, that's a sustainability thing I was telling you about before. That's not always easy, but it, it does help. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, it's, it's much easier for you to learn how to use a CNC machine successfully when you have a real project to do as opposed to me yeah, trying to agreed. get you to make a letter or something like that. Sure, sure. To totally agreed. Totally agreed. So I came across one of your videos uh, a few months ago because um, in my drone manufacturing business, we're, you know, we're doing a lot more work with carbon fiber cutting. Yep. And um, I've been outsourcing my carbon fiber cutting for a very long time because cutting carbon fiber, as people may or may not know, it's just nasty. It comes into a super fine, when you cut it, it becomes a super fine dust that's like a fiberglass. And if you breathe it in, it's horrible for your lungs and toxic and such. So what I came across with you guys was you had a very cool setup. Uh, I believe you called it a milling bath. Correct. Where you're basically filling up your table with water and then submerging the – so bolting the carbon fiber sheet down and then filling it up with water where it's just above the carbon fiber sheet so that that way when you, when you cut, the carbon dust is being uh, collected in the water. So – First of all, that's really cool for for a desktop CNC machine to do that. That's amazing. So 
shout out to you guys on that. That's really cool. So how did that come about? And, and are you getting a lot of feedback on that for people cutting, you know, fiberglass or carbon or things of that nature? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, that came about again, because of the relation with the hobby industry, specifically in Europe and, uh, drone, mm-hmm. drone racing at the time was, you know, it was starting to be, uh, an, an international thing being carried by the media and everything. So everybody was wanting to make, uh, carbon fiber racing drones and, and the files are readily available for free all over the internet. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, so what we try to do is, is, uh, we're very safety conscious as a company because, because beginners are people who the, are the people who are, were primarily selling to. And the last thing mm-hmm. we want is somebody to get hurt and getting hurt is not always cutting yourself or something, but it's, it, it's also, um, you know, breathing in, um, you know, the, the dust and, and debris and stuff from different materials. Uh, so we had, we had explored, um, with a company, it's a composite company in, uh, Europe who, uh, we were getting some material from, and they came up with this design in Germany for this milling bath. And it's really cool because you, um, it clamps the material, uh, suspended in the water. So, you can cut all the way through it, and then as soon as the the blades, the cutter blade starts to make contact, it immediately mixes with the water, and then it, it never gets airborne, and uh, your cuts are like super clean, like butter. It's it's really <laughs> really nice. Yeah, it was impressive. My only question was, what do you do with the water afterwards? Like, what's the proper disposal of carbon fiber infused water? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, what I do here is we empty the water into a five gallon pail, and mm-hmm. then we bring it to a local um, a, a local uh, ref, refuse, I guess, place where they'll they'll dispose of it. Um, mm, you know, okay. I, I mean, I've had people say, well, just dump it down the toilet. It can't be any more toxic than anything else you put in the toilet. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know that for a fact. I'm not a environmentalist. So I, sure. I just sure. err on the side of, you know. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. And you, you know, the crazy thing too, is that, you know, you think of cutting something toxic, like you were saying. So let's say if people are cutting fiberglass sheets or carbon fiber, there is so little information that I've been able to find online about, you know, really what are the dangers of, of cutting such a material. And, and, and even like the other day, uh, you know, just cutting a lot of carbon fiber tubes and, and, and other components made out of carbon fiber. Like I I went to the length of calling 3M and saying, Hey, I want to buy the best respirator possible for cutting carbon fiber. And they literally told me that the, uh, the little cheapy white masks that you can buy for like a dollar a piece would do the job. Yeah. And then that's what he said. And then you go online and post a, a photo. Like I posted a photo of me wearing one cutting carbon fiber. And man, the amount of hate mail I got was crazy. People were like, you're crazy. You're, you're going to get carbon in your lungs. So I feel like there's a ton of misinformation out there. So maybe do you have any uh, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, um, I, I've heard too, that you could use those cheap white masks because essentially, uh, carbon cutting carbon doesn't emit a fume or anything. So it's just Mm -hmm. particles that you're, you're trying to avoid. Um, Mm -hmm. the problem with some of those masks is the fit against your face. It doesn't, they don't have a good seal because it's paper. So there is still a possibility that dust will get in around the mask. Um, You know, I, I use a, um, I use a 3M respirator, but it's not a super high end one, but it is a, uh, a, a respirator. And when you're, you know, cutting fiberglass, sometimes I don't use the milling bath, uh, for carbon, I always do, but for fiberglass okay. or, uh, another materials, MDF, like you don't, 
Like a foam, right? MDF no, no, no. Is foam. The, the MDF um, wood. It's like uh, the stuff. Oh, that, uh, it's okay. Like, not a particle board, but it's a it's a medium density fiber board. And and when you cut oh, okay, it, got it, got it. Yep. When you cut that material, the the um, dust is so fine and it gets over everything. And it's not that it's harmful for you to breathe it in, but your mm-hmm. sinuses really like you know will take a oh. toll. And uh, so yeah, we we use those uh, when we're doing that type of work and. Um, you know, I, I don't really have uh, have a problem, but I, I would always err more on the edge of being extra safe than not safe enough. Sure. No, makes sense. And and your your products do have a vacuum system as well, or like an optional vacuum system, yeah. right? Yeah. So th- that makes a lot of sense. And and what are guys using? Just like a um, a shop vac or something? Yeah, a lot of people just use a shop vac. Um, you know, we're we're pretty fond of like the rigid line of shop vac. Some of them you can buy an uh, external HEPA filter for it, uh, oh, cool. which, which is nice. So you'll just you'll suck all the debris in. And then you know the clean it's it's spitting out clean air which is good. Um, you can also use a, a cyclone separator uh, in line with your vacuum, which basically separates the uh, heavy particles from the clean air, and it keeps your vacuum uh, filter from clogging up. Uh, so that's another thing. Depending on how much you know how much you're doing, if you're doing a wide mix of material, uh, you know that may be necessary, uh, especially if you're doing MDF or something that's really really fine particle. That, that's what we sure. Okay. Awesome. Makes a lot of sense. So, so I guess moving on here with, with Stepcraft and, and what you guys are, are doing in your product line, it was very interesting for me to see your, for example, your Q408 system, which is, I believe that's your largest CNC platform that you offer. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. It's four by eight feet. So four by eight sheets. So that's like a full sheet of, so when I buy carbon fiber, for example, that's the biggest sheet that I can buy Uh, within, I guess, without being special made. And so I guess what makes you guys decide to go from a, a tabletop machine to now stepping into kind of the, I don't want to say professional because you guys are professional, but you know what I'm saying? So kind of what makes you decide like, you know what, we're going to make a bigger machine that costs whatever, 10, $15,000 and, and compete against, I mean, if you were to buy even just a few years ago, if you were to buy like a four by eight machine that can cut, you know, whatever, but it might be carbon fiber or fiberglass, you would be talking maybe five or six times the price, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess what makes you guys want to, to, to play in that arena versus just staying at the desktop size? So one of the things I did when, um, a- after, you know, the Kickstarter, I was looking to try to define a market and I didn't want to just pigeonhole us into the hobby market. So, and, and one of the things that's different here in the States versus in Europe is, uh, it's very common for somebody to have a full-time job and have a side business here in, right. in, in the States. So I, I wrote a book, an ebook, and uh, actually made a printed book out of it, and we gave that away, uh, tens, tens of thousands of copies of it away, and it was basically um, on how to start a business using a CNC machine. Oh, so, cool! So that got us not only a lot of business, but it got a lot of um, a lot of exposure to the brand, and we ended up having a lot of customers that were buying. Um, our 840 machine, which is our largest D series machine, it's two by three feet, mm-hmm. and they were, they were buying that and then they would come back after a year and they were, they're like, yeah, you know, I, I bought this machine as my first CNC and now I, I, I got more work for it than I'm selling stuff that I know what to do with. 
Right. And so the next logical progression is, um, you know, that you're looking at other industries. So you've got sign makers and cabinet makers and woodworkers and things like that. Mm -hmm. And those people, you know, when you it's, it's standard procedure here to go to Lowe's or Home Depot or a wood place and buy a four by eight sheet of material. Yep. And then to have to cut that down so that it fits on a two by three leaves you with a lot of waste material. All right. So makes a, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when identifying the market and what we were going to do, um, there was a, it's not that there's, I don't want to say there's a necessarily that it was like a, a commanding need in that industry because there are a lot of reputable large format CNCs out there. But mm -hmm. what, what there was was a gap in an affordable, quote unquote, affordable uh, range where right, you right. know you would go from a $5,000 desktop machine to a $35,000 four by eight CNC. And you know we, we were able to come in with a product that's all ball screw driven, super accurate, has uh, very, very good performance, all the features and bells and whistles that you would want for you know half the price in some cases of nearest competitors. So it's, it's been good. It's, it's, a, I it's, it, we're still growing that market. I'm, I'm not, I don't actively promote it as much as I do the D series because the, uh, the relationships mm -hmm. in, are a little bit different with the customers on the bigger machines there. They, things tend to take a little bit longer. Right. Uh, but you know, every machine that we have, um, install right now is doing awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're really happy for this product line. Man, that is so cool. That is so cool. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at that for myself. That's a nice looking machine right there. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I used to operate a, like a Haas three axis, um, was a VF two. Yep. Um, so we had, I mean, I mean, the thing was the size of a car yep. and it, but you could do anything with that. You could cut, you know, hunks of steel or, uh, or, or whatever. So, but that machine itself was, you know, six figures for a machine of that caliber. So for what you guys are doing to, to allow, you know, people to cut smaller, smaller parts, smaller sheets, um, things of that nature, I think that there's definitely a market for it. So, you know, I, I, I can see, I can see you guys having to get another building in, in nine months. <laughs> yeah. Well, bite your tongue. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm good for a little bit. Um, yeah, it, it is <laughs> true awesome. though. I mean, we, we talk about, um, on our machines and, and we, we, we can do metal work on our machines too, which is, uh, you know, not, I mean, a Haas machine is holding tenths of an inch where, um, you know, you know, we're at thousands of an inch. So you're, you've got mm -hmm. a, a much more accurate, um, you know, type of platform when you're using a, a, a dedicated vertical milling center, but yep. um, you, and you can also do steel and ink and L and all the different hard materials. So on a router, a CNC router, doesn't matter who's not just ours. Uh, you will rarely ever see anybody talk about cutting anything harder than non-ferrous metals. So mm -hmm. uh, just because the, the gantry moving you, um, you, you don't have the same rigidity as a fixed head, uh, uh, or fixed Z-axis uh, vertical milling machine. And we don't have, on a router, you don't have flood coolant. You don't have, um, you know, some of those other capabilities that you require yeah. in a hot tool. Yeah, tool changer and... Well, we um, have tool changers. That's no problem. But yeah, it's... Um, we actually, that's another... Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sepcraft is actually one of I the... I was unaware of that. Yeah. We're one of the only companies in the world that have a tool changer for every one of our machines, our smallest desktop all the way up to our four by eight. We have no tools. way. Oh yeah. That's, that's one thing that was really set us apart. 
early on is that we had uh, three different tool changer options for our, our platform. So uh, no matter what you're doing and, and, you know, a lot of people say, why do I need a tool changer with a, you know, a, a two foot <laughs> desktop machine? But when you start making um, like, for instance, if you're making model airplane parts, you know, as an example, and you're, you're doing a plywood f- um, a firewall, you know, you may have one bit to do, uh, you know, you need tight inside. Like if you're going to do a, um, a puzzle where it's a, a keyed where it fits in, you, mm-hmm. you, you've got round bits, so you can't get square corners. So you may do all the cutting of the profiles with an eighth inch bit, but then switch to a 16th inch just to knock the corners so that they're, they're less sure. rounded, you know? Right, right, right. And every time you do that with a manual tool change, it's, you know, a couple minutes of, of reset <laughs> time. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's so much easier to just program it, hit a button and then let the thing do it all the work. Man, Man that's great. That's really, yeah. Okay. So now you're getting it, definitely getting into the functionality of like a higher end, um, a higher, higher end machine, like a Haas or uh, whatever it might be. Yeah, but, absolutely. Oh, no, you guys are definitely doing some some awesome things. So, all right. So you mentioned so you mentioned a book on kind of how to get started. So I guess if you could give me so let I guess with that knowledge. So let's just say if if you know once again I'm I'm a maker at home, kind of looking for a side gig, and let's say I've got I don't know seven hundred and fifty. Let's say thousand dollars. I don't know maybe fifteen hundred bucks to get started on something. What would you kind of recommend that you know? Do you have a uh, do you have a, a machine that would fit kind of you know for my basement? And then with that, where are you seeing the opportunity to get started with kind of a side hustle? Like what kind of products and and where are people selling? So our machines are our, our smallest machines about twelve hundred dollars, and uh, then, okay, then then they go up from there. So you know depending on what you want to do uh, in that fifteen hundred dollar price range is, you know, right where we would get you to be able to get you involved. Um, between two and 2,500, you have a lot more options, but, you know, we you can definitely get started in that range. Um, where people are selling, uh, well, I, I know um, I, I'm just actually editing a podcast this morning before we started talking, and the, the uh, customer that I interviewed is uh, new. He was a beginner with CNC, never had one before. Now he's uh, a very large seller on uh, Amazon handmade, which I didn't even know was a thing. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like okay. a whole division of Amazon for crafters. Uh, so you, it's like a fulfillment by Amazon, but it's for the craft market. Oh, wow. Okay, it's, so it's like kind of like an Etsy? Kind of, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess it's kind of like an Etsy. Yeah, you'd, uh, you know, so so between Etsy and and Amazon and uh, you know eBay and and you know people are are making anything from. Uh, yeah, you know, simple uh, picture frames all, all the way up to I've seen people do really complicated portraits that you might uh, laser engrave like a photograph into something for somebody. Uh, some some of the stuff that, and that's one of the cool things about this the podcast I'm doing is I'm talking to a lot of our customers and other CNCers, even if they're not a Stepcraft customer, and and they're sharing some of the projects that they do. And if you ever go to Pinterest and type in CNC projects, you could mm-hmm. spend a month there, and it's amazing <laughs> how um, how how many cool ideas there are. Okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's just like, and our, our, our slogan for our company is think it, make it. And, and there's so much truth to that. Like, you know, sure. geez, I, I wish I had this and well, okay. But if you have a machine and some material and, and a little bit of knowledge, you can actually make that thing, you know, you, you wanted to, you were thinking about. So, right. Yeah. I, I wish I could say that there was like one single thing, um, you know, and, and people ask me all the time, well, what's your target market? And, and to be honest with you, like 
our target market for our D series specifically is like the phone book. Like there, there's, there's no <laughs> okay. one specific person, you know, you, you everybody, may, sure. literally everybody. Yeah. We'll do a local uh, fair. Like we, we would do a local town fair and uh, you know, we set up a booth there and you're not really expecting to, to get anything out of it because it's, you know, it's a low, it's not a CNC show or a hobby show or anything. And every time we do it, it blows me away how many people walk by and they, they of course don't expect to see you there. So they're not ready to buy from you. But yeah. two hours later, they'll come back around because once they saw you, it's like, oh my God, you mean I could do this and I could do this and I could do this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's so cool to me to, to, to do that because you, you really start to see people's eyes light up when they realize, you, you mean I could just buy this thing for a couple grand, put it in my house and now I could start making stuff? Like, it's, it's really cool. No, I, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And so... Uh, as an American company, are you, and, and I know you mentioned that, I guess, headquartered or started out of Germany. So are all of your products currently being manufactured here in the U.S.? No, the um, D-Series line uh, and all the accessories for it, like the laser and the and the spindles and all that stuff are, are made in Germany. So the, the machines for the D-Series line come over here in flat pack uh, kit form, kind of okay. like Ikea furniture, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> So okay. the customer has the ability to buy the machine from us in a kit form and assembly yourself, or we can build and test it here. And then we create it and we ship it out to the customer. So it just depends on, you know, what you want to do. There's a, a nominal charge that we, we charge to build and test it and, and ship it. Uh, so the most we do here from is that is, is just assembly for the D series. The Q series line um, are 100% assembled here. They're not sold in kit form, obviously, because it's a professional grade machine. Right. Uh, raw material, uh, a lot of the raw material parts come directly from Germany. Okay. Uh, and then we assemble them. We have some stuff that we source out locally here just because it's, uh, you know, it's cheaper. Like our, our all steel welded frames for the machines I have done at a local shop because it would be too expensive to you know, ship them over from Germany. Yeah. But yeah, but even at, at the price you guys are asking to, for it to be made in the U S is, is, is quite, quite good. And and the reason I ask is because I'm starting to see, you know, I, I feel like it's just kind of uh, in the, in the air right now, especially with the economy and perhaps the trade war, but I'm just seeing a huge push now for items being manufactured again in the U S. So yeah. are, are you seeing that with your, with your larger CNC system? Yeah, we are. And, you know, one of the nice things with um, with our company is I, you know, it is German engineered and that in uh, in our market means a lot. I mean, it you, does. you yeah. think about a German car, you think about, you know, when you think of stuff coming from Germany, it's you're thinking really high quality, you know, precision equipment. And that and that holds true with the machines. My uh, my partner, Peter, is an amazing designer. Um, and, uh, you know, the team over in Germany is fan it's second to none as far as what they're capable of doing. So, but to tell a customer, yeah, you can buy a German engineered machine that is fully supported in the United States and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on our Q machines to say it's, it's a German designed American built. Is, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Huge. That's a one, two it's, punch. That yeah, really is. It really is. It's the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes sense. I, I think it would. I think you guys would fare a lot better than, you know, for example, a Chinese machine that that's made in, in China and then maybe supported kind of in the U.S. by someone who doesn't quite speak good English. So right. I, I think that that's definitely definitely a, a, a strong point on, on your part. Um, 
Well, very cool. Very cool. Well, I think you, you answered just about uh, every question I've got here. Um, is there any kind of, you know, just wrapping up? I know you said you have a customer you have to get to uh, shortly. We got to make sure that your your customer service remains top priority. <laughs> yeah. um, so because any departing thoughts, anything else you'd like to leave us with? No, I mean, you know, just uh, if you go to our website at stepcraft.us, uh, you'll you're, if you're a first time visitor, you're going to get a pop up that's going to I have a free um, seven day intro to CNC mini course that if you put in your name and email uh, every day, you'll get a, a new email. And I put a lot of time into this. It's a there's a lot of information there about getting involved in a CNC routing machine and, and you know, everything from tooling to software. And that's completely free. So, you know, you'll, you, you only see it one time um, when you come to the website. It does, so it's not like it blasts you every time. Um, on the homepage, there's also a link near the top where you can download the um, How to Start a Business book uh, for free as well. So, I, you know, follow us on Facebook. Our Facebook uh, page is, is very active. And there's a community on Facebook called the Stepcraft Crafters Club. And it, you oh, cool. can you can join that, and that's uh, filled with people who either own Stepcraft machines or have an interest in potentially getting into them. And there's a great community and group of people there as well to uh, to talk with. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like a, a Facebook group would be so perfect for for what you're doing because it's allowing your customers to really share their their projects and and what they've made. And and are they sharing kind of files, kind of like a Thingiverse as well? Yeah, there's a lot of people that that share files for sure um, on online. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So basically, what that means is that if if you know nothing about drawing parts or nothing about you know ba- you know maybe if if you can watch the video and have uh, Eric or one of his team members show you how to make a part with with a open um, what would we call it like a it's like a library almost right like a free open library right where where you can just download many many parts that are that are on there for free and you can just throw it in and make it right there on your machine so you don't even have to know how to design anything yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, I mean that makes it so huge, and and the barrier to entry just becomes like that much easier just to get into it. Yeah, and the um, com- community is everything in the CNC world because, as much as we try to support our customers for an extended amount of time every day, um, my guys do still go home at the end of the day. And <laughs> so no, I, they don't. Yeah, no, they don't. I, I don't. I don't, but they do. Um, right. So you know, going to a community like that and being able to uh, you know ask a question at ten o'clock at night and then have somebody immediately answer is awesome. I mean, it took us a while to get that built up to where it is that useful, but that, that community is, is really key. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Eric, well, definitely thank you so much for your time. And, uh, as Eric mentioned, you can check out his website, uh, stepcraft.us, uh, link to his book there, uh, link to your podcast there. Um, what's your podcast name? So it's, uh, the think it, make it podcast. So if you just do, uh, you can go to think it, make it, dot us as well that's the website for the podcast but you can get it on itunes and google play and all those uh, and a new episode's coming out in about an hour and a half uh, every, <laughs> every wednesday so yeah perfect perfect okay well everyone definitely go check that out if you're interested and uh awesome well eric thank you again for your time and um i look forward to chatting with you some more about cnc machines i'm sure you'll be hearing from me very shortly <laughs> sounds good thanks so much bobby i appreciate it very cool very cool awesome thanks again you got it so what'd you think about that man he's a cool guy and super 
customer consumer centric and I, I think that when you're that passionate about your customer and you have a good product like it has to succeed um so congrats to eric and best of luck to him and the whole stepcraft team i got a few buddies of mine who actually have it and they swear by it they like it so it seems like a really good product so you know best of luck to those guys um so that's all i got for this week so thank you guys so much for listening once again um, could definitely appreciate uh, any love that you could give on some of the social channels, whether it be Facebook or uh, Twitter, or YouTube, whatever it might be. If, if you could just go out and uh, share this and give me a little bit of love, I would definitely appreciate it. Um, also, if you could please head on over to Podbean or iTunes or um, however you listen to this and just leave a, a, a review if at all possible and maybe a rating would be amazing. Would definitely appreciate it. Uh, I got a few more episodes in the pipeline, in the works, with some very interesting guests talking about some very interesting topics. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Going to be covering some kind of controversial topics here. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But anyway, thank you guys again for listening. I really do appreciate it and hope you have a great day. Talk to you next time. See ya!